You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Welcome into the Shout Football Podcast. People said we were nuts, Ryan Talbot, but I said people are staying up late. They want to talk about this uh, second round of the draft. Yeah, that's right. You know, night two of the draft comes and goes. The Bills uh, do a little bit of wheeling and dealing, trading down twice. Um, it feels like picking up just about every sixth round pick in this draft class for tomorrow's <laughs> draft. But uh, they're well positioned to package a lot of those picks, in my opinion, and uh, maybe move up into the fourth round with some of them. Maybe have a few multiple picks in the fifth round by packaging them up. It's going to be interesting to see what the Bills do because they clearly don't need that many picks, uh, but they can use them to their advantage, whether it's this year or using them for deals for next year's picks. All right, let's start with how this all transpired because there's a few things I want to kind of get to here uh, that I think are, are really important. How this materialized where the Bills sitting at 57 wound up picking James Cook, the running back out of Georgia at 63, making two trades down. The first one was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers moving back three spots. The second trade uh, was with the Cincinnati Bengals moving back four spots. And so you make those two deals because I think the big thing, Ryan, was they had a lot of people with similar grades on their board. And, you know, Cook, you can probably make the argument that you know, maybe the Bills jumped a little bit at that at that particular player. Isaiah Spiller was still on the board at that point. But I think it was a situation where they had so many similar grades on these players and maybe some interior offensive linemen with a lot of similar grades, the guys that they have rated on, on day three, that it was just, all right, let's slide back a couple, accumulate some picks to give us some mobility in later rounds, like you mentioned. And we'll get our guy. And, and and the thing with James Cook that really sticks out is how the Bills view them. I mean, that's one of the things him, Brandon Bean was talking about that tonight. They don't view him necessarily just as a running back. It's almost like their next version of J.D. McKissick, how they envisioned using him. He was a, he played a lot of wide receiver out of the slot. They even lined him out, out, uh, outside at um, Georgia. So I think we're going to see a lot of different ways they can utilize him. And I don't think this means – this is much different than the Breeze Hall draft pick would have been because that was a pick that would have really put some pressure on Devin Singletary. I think this is this pick is just a supplementary role, especially early on here. 
Yeah, you know, first and foremost with the two trade downs, I, I was telling you when we were texting back and forth, uh, I really thought they liked Trey McBride, and I think when he went off the board right before their pick, that that kind of allowed them to to maneuver around the board, trade down a little bit, uh, because as you said, there was a lot of similar prospects that they liked, but I, I think that ultimately landing on James Cook is as close to a home run as you can get in round two. You are getting a home run hitter at the running back position, an explosive back. Uh, I love the McKissick comparison because you can have him in the backfield catching passes from Josh Allen. You can line him up at wide receiver. He brings another dimension to an already explosive offense. Uh, so, you, you know, when you bring James Cook onto this team and, and he trains and he works out with Singletary, so there's already that relationship there. Uh, they know of one another. I, I think they're going to hit the ground running this offseason, training together. Singletary will, will share his knowledge of the playbook, the ins and outs of it. It's going to help him get up to speed a little bit as well. And the sooner he's up to speed, Matt, the sooner he can be a, a key contributor for this offense. A couple other interesting things. Uh, and Joshua Allen over on Facebook asked a great question, and we'll talk about that in a minute. What does this mean for Zach Moss? And we can maybe have like a, a mini sidebar conversation about what this the, the running back room potentially could look like. But a couple of things that stood out to me, uh, getting a chance to talk briefly with James Cook today. There was a little bit of a viral moment when when he was getting drafted. It looked like you know that he found out he was going to the Bills, and he had this kind of like really despondent look on his face, and almost like you know people were wondering, all right, does does he want to go to the Bills? And then there's actually. I saw it before I was heading over here, a TikTok video that somebody got. I don't know if it was from a different stream or what, where it seems like he's saying, like, I'm mad. I'm mad. He was saying that to somebody. You have that part of it, right? Well, I I asked James Cook when we talked to him tonight. I was like, what was that moment like? And he was like, it was kind of just chaos. There was my uh, his son was crying. It was this life changing moment. There was a lot of things happening, a lot of moving parts. And I think like the overwhelming nature of just getting drafted in general kind of was, you know, took over. And uh, he said early on in the process, as he met uh, running backs coach Kelly Skipper, he fell in love with the Bills and he's so excited to be uh, a part of the organization. That's what he said. And a big reason why is because of the vision that they have for him. They're going to let him be him in their offense. The one thing with a player like this, Ryan, if you have a certain skill set, right, you, you have to land at a team that views what you do um, positively and has a plan for how to deploy you. Marquise Brown in Baltimore is a perfect example about how a player could be mismanaged. He's been trying to get traded out of Baltimore for two seasons. I think players, you know, will start coming into the league and looking around and be like, okay, yeah, I want to get drafted. I want to, I want to get to the NFL, but I also want to find a place where I'm going to be used. Right. And I think this is a situation where it seems like James Cook feels like he can be at his best and, and have the most production that he can have. Yeah, uh, you know, going back to the, to the facial expression, don't read too much into that. I had people in my timeline comparing it to Stefan Gilmore when he was drafted here, you know, resting Bill's face maybe when you weren't excited to join <laughs> Buffalo. But that's not the case. James Cook's really excited to join a Super Bowl contender, be that missing piece. He talked about, uh, you know, shocking the world, winning a Super Bowl. I'm not sure if you're shocking the world when you're already the Super Bowl favorite and you're joining this team. But I like the sentiment nonetheless. Some people just show their emotion differently, and you nailed it in terms of all the chaos that's going around you. Uh, the screaming, the yelling. You saw his brother Delvin going nuts when he was getting drafted. 
So you get those phone calls where you talk to the the GM, you talk to the coach, and sometimes the ownership, and maybe you couldn't hear that. You have a baby crying, you have a lot of noise. It, it's it's a lot to take in at that moment in time. So it, it's understandable that uh, he was a little overcome with, with emotion in, in some way, shape, and form. But being managed in today's NFL, Matt, is really important because players more than ever seem to have a lot of power in terms of maneuvering what they can do where they can go we're seeing more and more wide receivers saying listen and, and i know cook's not a receiver but i'm the example right now at least around the nfl is that they're realizing their value and saying i need to get paid now uh, all of us is all of these players have shorter shelf lives uh you, you know you're out of the league in your early 30s generally so you got to get the money when you can and it's important to be in the right fit so that way your talents can be utilized in buffalo Cook's going to be utilized as a pass catcher, as a running back, as that guy that can make those big plays. If you're going against a defense where you have extra defensive backs out there on the field, maybe you give him a few extra carries in that game because if he can get past that first line of defense, he's off to the races. He's that athletic. He's that, um, you know, he has that extra gear that this offense is currently lacking at the running back position. James Cook and Devin Singletary are friends already. They train together out in Miami in the offseason. Uh, obviously, you have that Florida connection with a lot of these guys. Stephon Diggs played with Cook's brother, Dalvin, in Minnesota. So, you know, there's a very small circle there. And he was very adamant that he's got a great relationship with Motor Singletary. He's expecting to create a one-two punch. And that's interesting because if it's a one-two punch, you know, three's a crowd. And Zach Moss <laughs> is sitting out there right now probably wondering – where things stand with him. They brought in Duke Johnson. He's going to be obviously somebody that competes for a role in that defensive backfield, but you know, you can pretty much give him no role, make him inactive most weeks and have him be, you know, in case of an emergency. And I think he'd be probably okay with that on this team. Moss is an interesting case. I, I, I asked, um, Brandon Bean about the interior offensive line at in the second round and the third one round. And we're going to get to the third round in a minute. There were certain players, interior offensive line guys that they brought in that, you know, you, you'd wonder if they had a good grade on him. And he said, yeah, we, we liked them. Um, we, we like some of those guys, but I, I think it was just, he didn't say this, but I, I I'm, I'm just reading between the lines. It was just a big collection of guys that were super close together. And so I brought up Cody Ford and I said, all right, so do you believe, in Cody Ford still, is that part of the equation here? Um, because that's one question we keep getting a lot, Ryan, is like, all right, can the Bills just trade Cody Ford? And my sense is, from his response, is that Cody Ford's going to be given every opportunity to make this team, number one, and B, earn a job, as crazy as that might sound. And, you know, he mentioned Aaron Cromer, a reset there. He mentioned the fact that he's healthy and he hasn't had any surgeries this offseason. His body's in the best shape that it's been in. He's got something that he's got to do himself. He's got to come in here and take care of business, make sure his body's right, get in here and uh, compete for a spot. But, you know, he said he still believes in Cody Ford. So I think that, that he could be potentially in play uh, a little bit more maybe than we even think. Yeah, uh, running back position, the depth, it's interesting. Zach Moss, it wasn't that long ago that the Bills spent a day to pick on him. Uh, he, he obviously, as a rookie, suffered an injury in the in, late in the season, that playoff time. And then last year, uh, never really was able to, to hit the ground running. So there, there could be some value there. You know, we, we talked going into this draft about how some teams could move up with a pick and a player, maybe that's the case for him, or maybe they bring him in just like a Cody Ford scenario. We're going to give you every opportunity to make this team Zach, but you know, now it's kind of a numbers game. We have Devin Singletary who ended the year on a high note. 
We drafted James Cook for a very specific reason. We brought in Duke Johnson to be a pass catcher. He's okay kind of being that Matt Breed of the team where he's inactive most weeks. But if we want to try to change it up, if there's an injury, he can come in. Um, so, so now Moss, you know, it, it's up to him if they bring him to training camp and things of that nature to show that, Hey, you know, you drafted me for a reason that there's still something I can do. Don't forget about me just yet, but it, it's definitely tough as for the offensive lineman. You know, I, I thought in, in round three, there was still some really good interior linemen out there and they still, uh, went a different route there, but entering day three of the draft tomorrow, there's still a few pre-draft visitors, top 30 visitors that are on the board. Uh, that I like early on on day three. There's still some depth there just in general. So maybe the Bills looked and they said, okay, running back, that's going quick. Uh, once Brees Hall went, it wasn't much longer th- that you saw Kenneth Walker go. And then you saw Wandale Robinson, who, yes, he, he's more of a wide receiver, but you could have lined him up in your backfield. He, he ran the ball uh, quite a bit in his two seasons, I believe, at Nebraska before he uh, moved on here to Kentucky. So, there were options that were suddenly coming off the board. And I even said after the, the Robinson pick, is it, is it James Cooker bust uh, here pretty sooner on night two? And sure enough, it ultimately ended up being that way. I, I think the Bills got a uh, premier back when, when that talent level started to fall off a little bit. Yeah, we could probably transition to the third round pick because I think that's the one that Bills fans probably have the most uh, questions about. It was a a very interesting name. I had to do some very quick research because he wasn't on my radar at all. And I actually, interestingly enough, I mean, the Bills picked the back end of the third round. Dane Brugler has a a fourth round grade on uh, Terrell. Look at me, Bernard. uh, I I called him Terrell Brandon. So I had to think about it for a second because I, I, back in the day, played for the Timberwolves, loved that player. I I, I spelled his name wrong in in a tweet. Um, But six foot, uh, just under six foot one, 224 pounds, size profile, absolutely um, impeccably similar to Matt Milano. Um, Almost so that you look at some of his pictures uh in the Baller defense and he looks like a safety i mean he's really small and a lot of people you know mentioned that on social media well matt milano was a safety at boston college i mean they kind of converted him into a linebacker so i thought that, that was interesting but check this out ryan see that right there Ooh. tyrell dotson with a 130 a.m tweet that just reads bet dot 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 listen these guys are are ultra competitive right and so they'll look for any type of edge but you know, they move on from AJ Klein. They don't sign any linebackers in free agency, veteran linebackers. And you go into the draft and you see Kyer Elam uh, finally addressing the cornerback position. Then you go offense and you bring in a playmaker in James Cook. You're probably sitting there, Tyrell Dotson, thinking, man, I, lo- I love the way this thing is shaping up. Then <laughs> you look up and they're, they're reaching on a linebacker. Let's be honest. From the outside looking in, this is, it seems like a reach. We're going to get into some of the reasonings that Brandon Bean gave uh, in a moment. But if you're Tyrell Dotson sitting there right now, this definitely ups the pressure. Uh, you were, you had a, a pretty nice role. Uh, it probably cushion a cushiony role for you going in training camp. Things change quite a bit now because there's versatility in Bernard's game. He can play middle linebacker if you need him to. He probably projects more as a will outside linebacker. He's going to play some special teams as well. This is direct competition for Tyrell Dotson. 100%. And, you know, Mark Gon uh, put up the tweet shortly after Bernard was drafted. Pretty much identical height, identical weight. And then Bernard's slightly faster than Matt Milano. 
Bernard says that uh, Milano is one of those linebackers that he loves to study when he's watching, you know, the film uh, NFL players on film. So it's really interesting comparison, but you're, you're right. Now you have Dotson, someone that's been in the room for quite a few years uh, who, who feels a little bit threatened over the job. You know, Bernard was not on my radar either. Uh, there were a lot of linebackers that I thought could have been, uh, but he, he had one of the most insane performances in Sugar Bowl history. One of the maybe the one of the best defensive performances in Sugar Bowl history. Seventeen tackles, two sacks, and a pass defensed in their twenty-one to seven win uh, over Ole Miss. So you know he's shown glimpses of what he can do. Um, it's just, he's a little undersized and, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of comments here in the chat, Matt, about, um, pretty much how this guy has no chance of ever being a starter because we have, they have Milano in Buffalo and this, that, and the other, well, you know, maybe there's not a direct path to a starting job as a rookie or even year two, but you have to remember that when the bills draft, these guys they are also thinking what happens if there's an injury You're one injury away from losing Matt Milano and not having him on the field. And he's only played a, a full season, I believe, once in his career. Now, he played 16 games this year, um, and he played 16 as a rookie. Obviously, there are 17 games this year, but he missed uh, a few games in 2018, 2019, and 2020. So it, it doesn't hurt to have someone that's very comparable, that if you think you can coach them up, bring them along, you wouldn't really be missing a beat athletically. Uh, in terms of those coverage skills, you, you look at the other teams in the AFC East, they're getting more athletic. The Jets are having an outstanding draft. Uh, the Dolphins obviously added Tyree Kill. The Patriots, I can't say, are having a good draft, but hey, they're still in the division and they have some talent on that roster already. So you're also kind of playing chess against who you're going to be seeing two times a year as well uh, and what kind of looks you might want to give them. So I, I didn't have an issue with the pick. Uh, I was beating the drum for a, a guard that was taking the next pick after by the Raiders, but there's still a few pre-draft visitors. Like I said, um, there's still some really interesting talent out there on the board as we approach day three. Now, I think it, the thing with Bernard that I think stands out is the entire package, right? He's a young, hungry, little bit doubted, probably chip on his shoulder kind of guy because of the measurables. And he brings versatility and speed in the coverage game, which I think the Bills are really going to like. Check out this this quote from Brandon Bean when he talked about him. First of all, what I, I really respect this about Brandon Bean. He does such a great job of organizational structure, like communication with every level of his organization. And one of the things he's always talked about is the important uh, collaboration between the uh, personnel team, the um, front office and the coaching staff. And he really leans on coaches. I remember talking to him about how he came to find John Feliciano as a free agent. And he said, you know, I left, I lean on Bobby Johnson. He had a good ex uh, experience with him uh, in Oakland. Um, and, and so we leaned on him to give us the intel that we needed. He said that he sent Bobby Babbage, who's now goes from being the safeties coach over to being now the linebackers coach, sent him out to work him out privately. And a lot of guys come back Coaches will come back from those workouts and say, all right, X, X, and X. These guys, uh, they did it really good. You know, you can see the athletic traits, but it's going to take some time for them to really understand the scheme, understand what we want to do with them and try to like utilize what they do. He, apparently, Bobby Babbage came back from working out with Bernard and said immediately, this guy going to fit in, right? He picked it up like that. He's going to fit in from day one. It's going to be seamless. It's going to be, you know, every week. And then they reached out to his coach at Baylor, Dave Aranda, who uh, used to be at um, 
uh, LSU and they, apparently Sean McDermott and Brandon have a really good relationship with him. And Brandon Bean said he could not say enough about this kid's leadership, his work ethic, his habits. He's an alpha leader of that defense. He couldn't say enough good things about him. And we've talked to Aranda before when he had guys at LSU and now at Baylor. He will shoot you straight. He's not just giving you the company line. So we took that and what we saw, uh, what he said matched with what Bobby got and obviously what we saw on film. So this is a guy that they believe can be that special teams standout because of the work ethic and the way that he plays the game. And then he's going to be a, a very important rotational piece, depth piece for you in the, on that linebacker spot. Maybe you can throw him out there in some packages when, you know, uh, you need some speed, but you need some size. He said the way that he blitzes and his knack for blitzing, like you mentioned, it reminds them of their safeties, like Poyer and Hyde. So it's almost like he's going to be a hybrid piece, a chess piece. We've talked so much over the years about that big nickel spot. This kind of feels like that in a, in a in a bit of way. At least they have the option to use it that way. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting if you look at his uh, relative athletic score, uh, something like an eight point eight or something like that. And it jumps up if you you were to convert him to the safety position. But so if you want to use him like a big nickel like that, use him as a blitzer, use him in coverage, wherever the case may be, he can do that. And, and that's what's really interesting though is those little pieces of information, those little nuggets of information that you learn after the fact when they when they draft that you know this was guy was a private workout. Uh, they obviously had private workouts with two Oklahoma linebackers. I'm sure they had many more as well. So they're evaluating all those guys on many levels. And to know that this player specifically picked up the defense really well. And then you go and you talk to the coaching staff and you talk to people there and he passes all those tests in, in terms of what the Bills look for in players, the leadership, the guys that eat, sleep, and, and breathe football. He, he seems to meet all of that criteria. So maybe there's not a direct path for him to be a starter as a rookie, which there's not, obviously, with the talent that they have at linebacker. Uh, but you're not thinking short-term when you make some of these picks. You're thinking long-term. You're thinking of uh, someone that you can utilize in a variety of ways. So Yes, I understand some Bills fans were not thrilled with the pick, but the Bills obviously did their homework on it and came out feeling really good about Bernard. I tweeted, I had a little bit of a back and forth with a fan today. His name's Jim, and we, we he, sometimes he disagrees with stuff that I say, and it's great. We have a good back and forth relationship. I have that with a lot of Bills fans, as, as, as you do. Um, and we were just talking about the, the line depth. And you know, the more and more I start to think about it, the offensive line, it really is just about set. As, as crazy as that might sound. I mean, you sign Ryan Bates to that deal. In a lot of ways, you view him at, at least in pencil. You write him in, a, in with pencil as the, as the starting uh, guard. So with Saffold, Mitch Morse, and Bates inside, Dawkins and Spencer Brown on the outside, you sign Questenberry, you have Doyle, there are your two tackles. You have Bobby Hart as that practice squad, like other competition piece, whatever you want to call him. Then you look on the interior, you got Greg Mance, you got Ike Butker, you got... Um, uh, the the other kid that they like, uh, Kappa, I think it is, um, Jacob Capra. Uh, and then obviously Cody Ford, who, like we mm -hmm. talked about at the, at the top, they still believe in. So I think that there's not the same, you know, when they drafted Cody Ford, they were looking for a starter. They're not looking for a starter right now, Ryan, on the offensive line. So I think that the, the value really in a deep draft class when there hasn't been really a run on interior offensive line yet is coming on day three. And that's just the long and short of it. You know, John brings up Dylan Parham. I thought that that was right in line there. They could have picked him up in the third round there. But it, what's more important to them? Uh, how much, where's the gap between Dylan Parham and 
whoever interior offensive lineman you want to name down the list. I don't, I don't have a bunch of names on day three at the ready here for you, but as compared to the work they did on um, Bernard, the obvious value that they, they feel that he adds right away in all the different things he can do. He plays special teams. He'll be one of your top, uh, you know, backup guys. He'll, you know, he'll be able to develop in practice going up against Josh Allen. Like how, how good is that going to make him for facing the modern quarterback, the modern offense? So, it's a situation where I just think Brandon Bean's hit on draft picks on day three at offensive line almost every year that he's done this. And so now, uh, you know, Wyatt Teller obviously being the the biggest example and he right. developed somewhere else, but it's still the same case. <laughs> yeah. So I just don't think that there was any urgency to address interior offensive line. And I think at the end, end of the day, you want to you want your your front office, your general manager, especially with the track record Bean has, to go with the guys they truly believe in at the end of the day. I think that's what it's, this is all about. Even if it's not the guys that you know you liked a lot from the, the research you did or the tape that you watched, like that's another funny thing that I always get. And no offense to anybody that like really does the work, the the, the film work, and breaks these guys down. I have a pretty good feeling that they did their due diligence on James Cook and Terrell Brandon and are confident with what they saw of these guys on tape and aren't concerned with the things that, you know, a lot of people maybe be hung up on. You know, they, they don't make these picks without being confident in that. And they're not all going to pan out either, but, you know, enough for this regime have. You said Terrell Brandon again, just just an FYI. Shoot, I'm going to always say it. I'm going to always say it. Yo, shout out to Terrell Brandon. I used to roll with him on NBA 2K, his crossover back in the day. And actually, it wasn't even 2K. It was um, it was on Sega Genesis. And it was like the Portland Trail Blazers, Blazers versus the Chicago Bulls. That oh, was like the cover. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know and, exactly what you're talking about. And maybe that wasn't the game. One of the versions, maybe it was like NBA Live. I think that like was that like NBA like Live. Game Time or something. Or game something. Time or something. But Terrell Brandon, for whatever reason, and that's why I keep saying his name, he was just nasty in that game. So, sorry, you're going to get Terrell Brandon a lot probably. That's awesome. But no, O-line talk. Listen, the, the one reason I was uh, thinking Parham is he had that guard center versatility. Bills love players like that. Uh, especially when when you consider you know Saffold the age the the fact that he could miss some time uh, Morris he has been outstanding but he's missed some time in his career not just in Buffalo but in, just in general but you're you're right you look at the list there in general there's a lot of still very solid interior offensive linemen out there there's still two pre-draft visitors I believe now at the end of the draft the picks are kind of flying quickly but. Uh, I know that they like Joshua uh, Izudu. He is out of UNC. I think he could be on their radar if he's there tomorrow. And then Spencer Burford is another uh, pre-draft visitor that is still available for the Bills. So two guys, if if that is something that's in the cards for them, um, that they could address early on day three in round four, maybe one of them falls into round five. I think Burford's uh, projected to be a fourth, fifth round guy. So he might be the target if they don't go that way uh, in round four. And, and there's still some talented players at wide receiver, Kelvin Austin, the third undersized, but explosive fast. I, I know a lot of fans were beating the drum for that as well. Uh, the, the bills do the due diligence. They, they watch the film. They send scouts all over the country. You just have to trust that, uh, you know, they know what they're doing. And based on the, their track record, for the most part, because every team has misses, uh, they've done a great job of building this thing up since uh, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have come aboard. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Listen, there have been several runs on wide receiver in this draft now. Two in particular, the one in the first round and the one uh, in the, I think it was early third round when there was people flying. I mean, it might have been second round. I can't remember now. Uh, but it's the, it's the run that ended in Sky Moore, which I can't believe. Sky Moore was a guy that was a fringe first round guy. And some of the names that flew off the board ahead of him, looking back at it now, really, really shocking. I know Wondell Robinson, a lot of people like him, uh, depending on who you talk to. And, you know, Brian Dable, he he knows the role that he's probably drafting Wondell Robinson for. And I know Joe Shane came out and said they're not trading uh, uh, Kadarius Tony. They're not shopping him. But, you know, the writing's on the wall there for them to move him out and, and maybe make a role for Robinson. But the fact that the Bills had ha- have had not even uh, an iota of a push to go out and get a wide receiver in this draft class to me speaks to what I was talking about weeks ago and how they view Gabriel Davis. Number one, the trust that they have in Isaiah McKenzie, like say Jameson Crowder comes in here and it doesn't work from the start, right? They'll, Mm -hmm. they'll go to plan B, which is Isaiah McKenzie, which has worked every time they've gone to him in this offense. Now you add James cook to the mix, who is almost like this, you know, de facto receiver that you can use in all these different sets potentially and all these, you know, different formations that Joe Brady and Ken Dorsey can kind of dream up here over the next uh, few months. I really like what they did. And now you have all this, uh, um, you know, artillery to kind of make some big shots in, in, in on day three. Listen, I don't, I don't think that they have to use all four of those days, day, uh, or six round picks. Maybe you trade up. Brandon Bean has found some talent late uh, at the receiver position before. And I think that that's something that maybe they look at uh, the receiver spot on day three. Yeah, absolutely. And I did see uh, Bill's Mafia there in the chat saying Zudu was taken in round three. So thank you for that, because as the picks are coming up, some aren't even coming on the screen. It just says the pick is in. It goes to commercial break. Uh, So you miss a few here and there. So I appreciate that. Uh, Yeah, you know, day three, there are still positions to address. There's still depth to address. They worked out so many different tight ends. Uh, There's still a few there. Top 30 visits and private workout guys. They could go that route because you have... Dawson Knox, O.J. Howard, both of whom are free agents at the end of the season. Uh, I anticipate Knox being a part of their their long-term plans, but you might want to bring in another option there to be tight end three this year, compete for that job. Uh, interior lineman we talked about. There's punters. You know, I saw, I see the comments for Matt, Matt Ariza, the punt god, and obviously Jordan Stout of Penn State. Uh, so one of those picks could be used to select the punter. Maybe you, you trade some of them to move up a little bit. Uh, depending on where they're going to go. Uh, wide receiver, you know, th- depending on what the Bills are looking for, it, whatever their cup of tea is, there are still players out there. There's still some speedsters. There's still some bigger receivers uh, or good route runners. So it comes down to what they want there. And, and then, you know, defensively, whatever else they may be looking to address. So plenty of talent options because so many players went back last year, Matt. Uh, due to you know COVID having that extra year available to them, so this is not like a normal day three uh, in years past. And obviously, every year there's still talented players in day three, but I feel like there's more than ever 
So the Bills are going to use some of those picks, and they're going to get people that are going to have a legitimate shot to compete despite this being a Super Bowl roster as is. All right, let's look ahead to day three. You mentioned it uh, a little bit. What are you looking? It doesn't even have to be player specific because I'll be honest with you. I, I, I don't really have the deep dive on day three in my in, on the holster, ready to pull out the gun and shoot a bunch of names at you. But I think approach here is going to be interesting. How do you think Brandon Bean approaches this day with you know kind of having to sit on his hands a little bit to start, not picking to the end of round five? Do you think they get aggressive and package some of that to move up and get one specific person? Do you think punter comes into play? Because I will read you the quote. He was asked about punter. How early is too early to go after him? He's like, depends on how good the punter is. We have to see who's on the board tomorrow, he said. Like any position, if there's one that we think is worth drafting, you know, obviously we don't have a fourth, but if there's one worth drafting the fifth, we'll see what position players are there. And if he was worth it, we'd do it. Uh, He said he thinks there's some guys, and I think there's some guys after the draft too, he said. Look around there. There's always punters that go undrafted and end up making it. I don't think it's a must to draft one, but I do think there will be some drafted. So interesting uh, comments there from Brandon Bean today. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if the Bills packaged some picks, moved up. They could package some day three picks from next year's draft, too, to, to kind of make it work. If there's really someone uh, that was out there that they really liked. They don't necessarily have a, a need at defensive tackle, but there's Perry and Winfrey, someone that they had a private workout with. There's still multiple tight ends, like I told you. Isaiah Likely, um, he was all over a lot of different draft experts' boards. Some of them, he was as high as the the second best tight end in this class. They they brought in another who was a tight end that was injured, James Mitchell. So he's in play, you know. So there's a lot of guys, but punters specifically, absolutely. Um, Mr. West Ashley, Motor is out, and then saying that uh, you don't know what you're talking about with Moss. I'm guessing with people in the comments fighting about that. Moss has not shown much over these last few years. I, I think Singletary's spot is is pretty set in stone on this roster where I cannot say the same for Moss. So just to address some of the comments that I'm seeing in, in the comments there, but for, for the bills, there, there's no short uh, shortage in terms of what they can do, where they can go with this. Brandon Bean is very honest in terms of, Hey, we're going to go the best player available. Now they're not going to go at a position where they're, they're at the deepest where they don't necessarily need someone if they're not going to make this roster, because that's going to be the last thing. What chance does this player have of making our roster? They, they don't want to just pick guys to pick guys. It has to be someone that's going to have a legitimate shot to come in and compete for a spot on that 53-man roster. Uh, and, you you know, you mentioned it. Punter, obviously, is one where I think if you take them in round five, if you take one even in round six, uh, that's someone that should be able to beat out Matt, Matt Hawk, uh, depending on what you're looking for from your punter. Where are we going to be on Sunday, Ryan? Why don't you give everybody a, a little... Uh... Uh, we were approached about uh, coming out to the Franklinville Maple Festival on Sunday. So we're going to be there uh, early. Matt has uh, some TV obligations to meet. So we'll, we'll be there for a few hours, though. Would love any Bills Mafia members that live in that area that uh, that feel like traveling out there. I know that they're known for their uh, pancake breakfast in the morning. It's just like a carnival or a festival. There, there's rides. There's. Uh, vendors there's i know there's going to be someone next to us matt that sells sports cards and memorabilia so there's going to be a little bit of everything so if you want to come out meet matt myself uh show your support for the shout buffalo football podcast we would love to meet you on sunday in franklinville at the maple festival 
Beautiful. Uh, I can't wait to uh, drive out. And uh, actually, my wife and my kids are coming out there. So if you follow me on Twitter, uh, you probably see my wife on there. She's gotten real uh, She's gotten real uh, active on Twitter these last couple of months. Um, she'll be out there. You get to meet her as well. Uh, Ryan is bringing the family. So it's going to be a family affair. Also, Syracuse.com slash newsletters. Go there. You can sign up for the new newsletter that we just launched. There'll be a big one in your in your inbox on Monday if you if you sign up. And we'll be back tomorrow. I gotta go get some sleep, Ryan. I'm exhausted. Yeah, time to crash. Noon will be here before we know it. Day three of the draft. And, and day three flies even faster than day two in terms of uh keeping track of all those picks and players. And we'll keep it locked in, Bills Mafia. So stick with us. We'll eventually go live either tomorrow or Sunday. Uh, wrapping it all up and and keep your eyes out for an undrafted free agent tracker as well once the draft concludes. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.